Hi friends, welcome to the Paradox Women's Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Essien. Today I got to sit down with my friend, Melissa Ice, and she shared a little bit about her journey to motherhood, specifically adoption. She shared with us something that she didn't expect to walk through during the adoption process. If you or someone you know has adopted or is going to adopt in the future, I know you're going to be encouraged by her story. Okay, we're going to get right to it. We are so happy that you've joined us here today. I have my sweet friend, Melissa Ice, in the studio with me. Hi, Mel. Hello. I'm so happy you've joined us. Thanks for having me. We get to talk about motherhood. All the things. All the fun things today. Um, You guys, Melissa has been coming to our church with her family, her husband, for about seven years now. We've been in city group together for a few years. Mm -hmm. You are wife to Jamie Ice and mommy to Rosie and Justice. Melissa is founder of The Net, a nonprofit here in Fort Worth. The Net serves survivors of sex trafficking. Melissa is also co-founder of The Worthy Co., who employs survivors of sex trafficking. You all create the most amazing candles and jewelry, the perfect little gift boutique in Fort Worth. If you don't know about it, you need to know about it. Um, Mel, why don't you just tell us in a nutshell, who are you? Who is little Melissa? Who is Melissa now? What are you about? Okay, yeah. Just jump right in. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I grew up in Dallas and I was actually raised by my grandparents. Um, faith was not really a component, wasn't really part of my upbringing. I did have a mom and dad. My dad I had not met. And then my mom um, was sort of in and out of my life, wasn't as present um, as you know, any little kid would want them to be. And a lot of that was due to some struggles that she had, which were she had a struggle with addiction. She had a struggle with a lot of mental health. And so I just remember as a little kid um, kind of worrying about her a lot. And so an upside of that is I do remember being little and praying, um, praying by my bed. And I truly don't know if I saw it in a movie or like a TV show, <laughs> but I just remember praying to God, a God that no one had really introduced me to. Wow. Um, just for her to be safe and, you know, for me to be safe and just kind of acknowledging that he was in control of our of my life, which was interesting to think about now as an adult and as a believer, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so although I didn't have that in my in my home as much um, as far as faith goes and people introducing me to Jesus and the gospel, I just see a lot of grace um, in little friendships I had where yeah. people invited me to Bible studies and to church. And in high school, I was able to be involved with Young Life. Um, and really being introduced to Jesus, I think, was kind of this lifeline for me um, in the middle of feeling like confused. And I think anybody um, who comes from a broken home, you know, all you're doing is looking around all the nuclear families being like, why not me? Why does mine look different than these other people? Um, and so having that, having those people in my life, having the opportunity to know about a God who loved me, um, who wanted to save me, um, and have a relationship with me was really huge. Um, and I would say a huge blessing, a big pivotal point for me was in um, towards the end of high school, I was going to a Bible study and there was a girl in my Bible study and her family kind of connected with my story for whatever reason and asked me to live with them. Um, and they were just a huge, huge part of my story. Just, I feel like God's 
kindness towards me that yeah. he would allow me to literally have a front row seat to a family who loved Jesus, who loved each other. They weren't perfect, obviously, but they um, really infused the gospel into their life, into their home. And I got to see that in front of my eyes every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then through my relationship with them, just had a lot of exposure um, to missionaries and to mission work that God was doing. And honestly, just through a church I was going to at the time that really cared a lot about the mission of God. And so that kind of propelled me into wanting to do that. And yeah. so I went to Bible college, um, was an international missions major, <laughs> fully committed, going to the ends of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then so I spent a lot of my early 20s kind of exploring that and living in um, a few countries, lived in Ghana, Morocco, Nepal, and got to see a lot of what God was doing in the world. But I think something that was really sweet about that time was it wasn't just me kind of, okay, what's my career path? What's my trajectory? Um, I really feel like it was a time of healing for me because yeah. I think that it was a really sweet invitation from God to, yes, my my own story is difficult, um, and I had my fair share of pain and heartache and all those things. Um, but I feel like God's invitation out of His kindness was to lift my eyes off of my own redemption story, which is a beautiful story in and of itself, yeah. and just how he was redeeming the whole world and the things that he was excited to do and that, you know, I have this little blip on the radar of my story. I just think of, I felt like a season of, like when the Bible talks about you being dust or, or like a blade of grass, mm -hmm. you're like, well, that's that's sinks. That's not very, <laughs> they don't have very much significance. Just a blade of grass. <laughs> yeah. Not all that important. Yeah. And so. In a field of other grass. <laughs> yes, exactly. Here today, gone tomorrow. You're like, well, okay. Um, but I think that's, I just think that's, I keep saying the word, but I feel like it's an invitation from God just, just to be reminded of what he's doing in the world. And, and yes, he wants to rescue us as individuals um, and he wants to heal our hearts, um, yeah. but he also wants to heal and rescue the whole world. And so that was really healing for me to feel a part of something bigger than myself, to want to be with my dad on mission, like going to work with my dad every day and seeing what he was doing, which sounds cheesy to say out loud. But I really, I think it really did heal me from, I think I just could have easily gone so inward, yeah. you know, um, I could use a lot of my hurt and my childhood wants and woes and sure. things that didn't go turn out the way that I want um, to turn inward. And instead, I feel like he turned me outward and upward, <laughs> if yes. that makes sense. So that was my early 20s. Met my husband, Jamie. Um, did not end up moving overseas. Moved to Fort Worth, Texas instead. Oh. <laughs> From Dallas. From Dallas, yeah. Um, and and I feel like instead kind of made Fort Worth my mission field and kind of uh, jumped into the, the invitation of what does it look like to love the people in your own backyard yeah. um, who are also hurting and in need of rescue and those opportunities you don't have to get on a plane for. I don't want to interrupt you, yeah. but I want to take us back to you said <clears throat> you had wants and sorrows as little Melissa and at a very, you know, really young age, I mean, right out of high school, you think you know everything, but you really know nothing. Yeah. Sorry, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry 19-year-old friends. Um, <laughs> but I can see that being a very pivotal moment because I also feel like it's about that time when you start to go, you start to kind of assess your childhood a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. You start to kind of consider how those things were hard. So that's one of the reasons why I was really excited to get to interview you because you're a good friend of mine and I'm blessed to know many parts of your story. And I just think God's grace is so thick in your story. And I mm-hmm. love how literally he has made, you know, he's made beauty out of ashes. Yeah. And I love um, just your perspective and how he's, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe change the trajectory that you could have gone down. Yeah, for right? sure. Like you, you could have been a 19 year old who turned to things, other things to bring comfort, um, and temporary fulfillment, but God wooed you in a big way and decided to turn your gaze towards the suffering of other people. And that mm. is just such a beautiful thing. And I feel like your story is so important for us to hear that, God really can make beauty from ashes, and we, and He really can cause us to look outside of ourselves from those difficult things. Yeah. And so help me, like, paint a picture for me. You went overseas, and you were exposed to the sufferings of other people. Like, what was your first thought? Like, what was that first moment of eye-opening, oh, my gosh, this is something I feel called to. This is what I want to be a part of. Yeah, I think um, I think the biggest thing is just encountering people with big faith, and and literally them having nothing but Jesus to mm-hmm. depend on, to rely on, where their joy can't be found in stuff, and it can't be yeah. found in the nuclear family and the two point five kids and the car and the garage and all those things. Yes. That, you know, it's they have Him and nothing else, and. And so we would, of course, like partner with, you know, missionaries that were overseas and just watching them live their lives um, so sacrificially for the gospel was so inspiring and encouraging. And, you know, during this time I was when I was home, I was a waitress and I was just I would only read books of memoirs of missionaries and, um, you know, people who left all the comfort that they could have available to them to make sure that other people understood mm-hmm. the gospel and had access to Jesus. And I just think that kind of inspired a bigger faith in me that there's just so much more going on in the world and that we get to be a part of um, and eternity's at stake. And so it's on the line. Um, And so to be kind of caught up in just my my own pain, which there's room for that and Jesus meets me in that, but it's not the end of the story. Yeah. Absolutely. So you did all of that. You had big visions, big dreams, and you met Jamie. <laughs> yes. Your sweet husband, Jamie, <laughs> who brought you to Fort like, Worth. Yeah, he's lived in a like, three-mile radius his whole life. <laughs> Granted, he traveled a lot with music, but um, yeah, he was a Fort Worth boy, and so he wanted to be here, wanted to... He did not want to do mission work. No, 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 he did not. He what was that tra- like <laughs> to be on a trajectory, tra- tra- excuse me, trajectory of I'm going to be a missionary and go to the ends of the earth. And then most of the time when we meet <laughs> our spouse, it sort of flips everything on its head. I know when I met Jim, I was headed to Santa Barbara to be a photographer, met him, flipped everything on my he- on his head. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so what, like from there, obviously the Lord put something new on your heart. What was that at that point? Like you or how did you how did you yeah. transition from I'm going here and then you met Jamie and then what happened after that? 
I think that, you know, I remember really early, we might have even been engaged or early married. And when I was first in Fort Worth, I went to a Christian leadership type conference. And I remember being super disgruntled about being in Cowtown. And, you know, I'm a Dallas girl, so (laughs) I missed the metropolitan life. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're in a place literally called Cowtown. Um, Little did I know this is not a small (laughs) town. Um, But I remember kind of just not feeling at home. And we heard a a sermon um, from a pastor and he just challenged everybody in the room and just said, you know, what if your perspective wasn't you know, where you live? What if you didn't see the city as, what can the city do for me? Like, what does it have to offer me? And we didn't come to the places that we live with a consumer mindset, but what if we said, what can I do for the city? Um, And then he said, you know, if you left and would everyone around you in your community, would anyone say, oh, you know, Melissa, she just can't leave. She's doing too much here. She's invested so much. She's helped shape the city so much. We can't lose her. And he just kind of challenged everybody to think that way about where you live and work. And so that really shifted my perspective of, okay, the dreams didn't die mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just because the plans changed. The dream to do mission work. To do mission work, yeah. yeah. Um, but instead they just, God shifted that energy, that heart, that experience and into this other place that he wanted me to use that same desire, that same passion, but just in a different way. And obviously that was local. right here. That's amazing. So then what happened after that? You married him? Married him. Life changed a little bit. Yes. And then shortly after, just a few years into marriage, started the net. And 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 that was your way of being like, this is what I want to do. This is is how I'm going to leave my fingerprint on the city. Yeah, and I before that I was on staff at a church. I was the missional director, okay. so I was I had the opportunity to really get my feet wet to help invite um, specifically TCU students into serving and started to get a little lay of the land and befriended people experiencing homelessness and started an after school program and doing homework clubs with refugee kids and I was teaching ESL and just doing a bunch yeah. of different things to kind of understand what was happening, what what God was doing, what were the gaps, and then... So you're definitely on mission in Fort Worth. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. And then felt called to start the net and then started meeting with women who, when I learned their story, just realized that exploitation for them um, wasn't a decision. You know, it wasn't they didn't w- wake up one day and decide to sell themselves or into the sex trade. They yeah. had all these pretty horrific... Um, things that have happened to them, different vulnerabilities and childhood sexual abuse, poverty, all these external factors that led to them being in that situation and just believing that they were designed for more than than that and and wanted to help create opportunities for them to rebuild their lives. Yeah. So how long had the net been up and going before you started to grow your family? Sweet a little Rosie and Justice. <laughs> it was a long time, actually. Um, yeah, I want to hear more about your motherhood journey. Yes. so That yeah, is kind of what we're is, talking yeah. about, but your story is super interesting. <laughs> and there's so many details and so many questions I have, but we are talking about motherhood today. Yes. So it was actually eight years. Jamie and I were married eight years before we had kids. Um, that was not the plan. 
But what do they say? Like you make plans and then God laughs, you know, <laughs> like you're a blade of grass and God yeah, laughs at you. Yeah. That's well, what we're telling you yeah. today. <laughs> Not well, really, guys. It's like sweet little thing. It's like when my children make plans, you know, like they're going to go to altitude today. I'm like, nope, there's, we're going to school. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's in that context, like, that's you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the sentiment, except we have school in one hour. So please get ready. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it took us a while. Um. I think we, you know, I think in my mind we were like, okay, at five years, you know, is when we're going to start trying and then we will have, and for Jamie, he was traveling a lot with his job, um, with music. And then for me, I was trying to start this thing, um, get it off the ground. And so we kind of felt like that was a good time for us. And then it wasn't our time. Um, so we definitely had Meaning it didn't happen right away. You didn't get pregnant right away. Yeah, it took a couple of years for, well, just a couple of years of of trying and it not working. And yeah. so, um, and that was, you know, I think we kind of talked about this a little yeah. bit, but obviously it was a season of infertility. Um, and did they, did you see doctors that, that like during that two years, did you see a doctor? Did they say yes. this is infertility or you were just super duper patient? <laughs> no, I mean, I was doing the things like, I think after a year we were like, okay, maybe we should start figuring out what's going on, what's going on here. And so definitely we're going to the doctors definitely did like the not fun ultrasounds and all the things, taking my temperature, all okay. that stuff. Um, and then we were told okay, it's the next step is IUI, IVF. It's not um, not working. They told you you probably wouldn't get pregnant on your own. Yeah, and okay. I was taking progesterone and, you know, I was doing some of the things and it just wasn't working. Okay. Um, and so then Jamie and I entered into the adoption process, um, which for us, we would always say that wasn't a plan B for us. That was something that we always felt called to do and something we were going to do anyway. Okay. And so I So think, you guys had had conversations in your marriage prior oh, yeah, to trying yeah. for babies that like you knew you wanted to adopt one day. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so that wasn't – it wasn't a, our fallback plan. It yeah. was um, something that we knew we wanted to do anyway. And so we started that process. And then I have the story that a lot of people have where we're fully <laughs> – we've gone through all the things, all the trainings – our adoption's fully paid for, and then I got pregnant. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, unexpectedly, of course, and you know, felt like a miracle. But yeah, was that hard for you to get to a point where, well, like, what was that two years? What was that two years like for you and trying for a baby? Did you feel at total peace? Did you feel was it a wrestle, or were you kind of like, you know, I know, I know that we're going to adopt, so you had a piece about whatever was coming next. What was that time like for you? Yeah, I think that I think I think the biggest thing that happened during that time is I just felt really sustained by God and felt like it was a season of waiting on the Lord and and that he was waiting with me. Yeah. That he wasn't withholding anything from me. Mm-hmm. Um and and I don't. I hesitate to even say that because I know it can be a really, um, gosh, a season of suffering, yeah. a season of anxiousness, um, and I just feel like it's maybe just God's grace mm-hmm. that I, I, you know, I felt disappointment. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't cry over a negative pregnancy test because sure. that for sure happened. 
but it did feel it wasn't total despair um, for me. And I just yeah. felt like God was in control. Now, granted, do I feel that way all the time? Like this morning, yesterday, tomorrow? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but during that season, I really felt sustained by God. And then also felt encouraged that um, that adoption was also um, on the table. And so that one way or the other, at some point, hopefully, by yeah. God's grace, we would have a family um, it just wasn't on the timeline that I had hoped. And I, you know, of course I felt all the feelings that if you're getting older, I'm like, I'm getting older and yeah. what's happening. Um, and this how is, old were you? I got pregnant at 32. Okay. Well, you are. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if everyone around, you know. If everyone is if having babies around you. Which and, none of us should do ever. But yes. if everybody's having babies long before you, you do start to feel like, we're trying, you know, and then yeah. I think people, you know, people make comments or like, oh, you just get to, and you don't have to worry about waking up early. You just get to enjoy. Y'all have so much on your plate that you just get to have fun and just things that we should all never say yes. to each other. Cause it, I'm like, actually we've been trying for 18 Two months, but, years. but we're having a blast. What? Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I did really just feel like God's grace was over that season um, and so then when I did get pregnant, it was very unexpected, but I felt so much joy and gratitude that yeah, it happened when it did. I can remember when you told me that you were pregnant. <laughs> we were, I was super pregnant with Haddon. Yes. And we were at the church downtown, First Christian, mm-hmm. for a women's conference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you came up to me and you were like, hey, I'm like, I'm seven weeks pregnant. <laughs> and I remember that you you guys had just kind of invited us in to praying for you about that. I, I knew it had, it had been some time mm-hmm. that you all were trying. Yeah. And so I knew that it wasn't coming easy, but I think we were just becoming friends at that point. Yeah. And I remember you telling me that, just a quiet little whisper. <laughs> and I was so happy for you and it was so fun. And then I had to get on stage and yeah, teach. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> super pregnant. Pretty sure I had my shirt up over my stomach because it was so hot in the middle yeah. of summer. At, at one point, I think you asked someone to fan you off. You were like, can someone just bring a fan up here? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was intense. Yeah. There was a fan on the stage. Yes. Wow. It was. Pregnant Which hormones. I support you. Amazing. <laughs> so then you had this little miracle mm-hmm. baby, little yeah. miracle rosy baby, which put all of the adoption process to a halt. Right. Yeah. So that was on hold, which yeah. was disappointing because we had gone so far down that yeah, road. And you too. guys had raised money. I remember we we went to the <laughs> yeah. the the party, which is so awkward to email everyone and be like, "Hey." So. <laughs> but we're hanging on to that money. Yeah. Yeah. We're still gonna use it, just not right now. I promise we won't use it to buy a crib for Rosie. We'll. Yes. We're gonna hang on to it. <laughs> yeah. And then how? So then, how old was Rosie when you guys entered back into? The adoption process again. I want to say she was right at a year or just a little over a year. And then we, and then you kind of, you know, if you take a, in the adoption world, if you take a year off, you kind of have to redo all the things. Get back into it. Yeah. So that was, you know, so we, not all the classes and everything, but yeah. your home study and your, for us, we were domestic adoption. So you have to make a book, a profile book. And so we kind of had to, it took us a few months to get everything back up to date again. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited to get to more adoption, more of Justice's adoption story soon. But first, I just want to know, 
how do you feel motherhood has changed you? That's yes. like a loaded yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. We could be here all day, I'm sure. Yes. Well, it changes all the things. Um, you know, in regards to my own mom, because obviously that's a big part of my story, I think one interesting thing that has changed for me in becoming a mom is, you know, and I don't feel like it's I'm God's divine. And so, of course, my first child is a daughter. Mm-hmm. And I was a daughter yeah. and, you know, had – good and not great experiences being someone's daughter. And I will say the one thing I always knew was how much my mom loved me. That was never in question, meaning she verbalized it. You know, she did lots of things to show me that she loved me. She wanted me to be proud of her. She was proud of me. I remember there were seasons when she would be doing really good and she would Mm -hmm. say, aren't you proud of me? And I remember being little and being like, I'm so proud of you. Um, which made obviously the seasons when she's not doing good harder, you know, for her. And of course, yeah. And so then I'm not hearing as much. That's such a raw moment. Oh my gosh. I want to ask my kids if they're proud of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because she was really trying in those seasons. Because children are, they, they are, I I do believe that our children are proud of us at times, you know, that's really cool. That's a neat, neat thing to think about. Like brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. I'm like, don't make me cry. I'm like doing fine. I'm okay so far. Um, But so becoming a mom, one of the things that changed for me was, and I think I had walked through a lot of um, healing in my, through my 20s and um, just felt like God healed me from a lot of things in that relationship. And um, I was able to extend forgiveness um, and offer that many times over the years. Um, But... When I became a mom, I think I just had so much compassion for the things that my mom experienced as Mm -hmm. a mom because, um, you know, we all experience mom guilt. If you are a mom, then you are not estranged from mom guilt. We Mm -hmm. all experience it, whether you work, whether you stay home, um, and to varying degrees, Mm -hmm. you know, and so she obviously had her share of struggles of not being a great mom sometimes. And then I have my own too. And so I could, when I make my own mistakes, um, it's always a temptation to lay my head on my pillow at night and think, I blew it today. I'm not a good mom. I should have done this, or I should have been more present or should have been more patient. And, and if I'm not careful, that can kind of turn into a shame spiral. And I feel Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm the worst. And, um, and not really show myself grace. Um, and so, recognizing for my mom, oh man, like if she went through these seasons of not being present and not being reliable and making poor choices, the amount of mom guilt, if you will, or the shame that she was experiencing, it makes so much sense that then there would be longer, there would be more distance between us, more time when I wouldn't hear from her because it would, it's just, it can be overwhelming. Sure. Um, And so it just made me feel like for her, because I knew she loved me, how hard that was. Um, And just, you know, shame begets shame. It just makes, it just is hard to climb out of that if you don't have the Lord, if you don't have community, if you don't have people speaking truth, if you don't have the word. Um, And it can overwhelm somebody Mm -hmm. and even cause you to make more bad choices to cope with the shame and all those things. So it just made me have a lot of compassion for her. But I would say too, with the net, the work that we do with the women that we serve, you know, for years I've been visiting women in jail and hearing their stories and hearing about them being estranged from their kids, mm-hmm. 
And I don't even think, I mean, if when I became a mom, I think like I just cried every time, you know, a mom was sharing her story and, and not being able to see her kids. And then for me, um, just relating to her on how difficult that would be and yeah. just the suffering of being away from your kids or wanting to be with them, wanting to have made a better choice, choice yeah. in order to be with them. And so I think it just has created a lot of empathy for yeah. the moms and then also um, being able to encourage them in that. And so it's neat because I get to encourage the women that we serve um, because they also have some, not all of them, but most of them have struggled with mental health. Most of them have struggled with addiction along with the you know, abuse and violence and all those other things that they've experienced. And yet here they are making choices for their kids. Um, They are recovering from all that's happened. They are trying to show up. Making that right next choice. Yes, and be present. And so I'm able to share with them, like, I promise it's not too late for your kids. Like, they want to see that. They want to be proud of you. Yeah. Um, And so that has really changed me too, I feel like, just in my day-to-day it's just such work. a beautiful picture of motherhood, like full circle. As you're sharing mm-hmm. that, I think of how it's just gospel through and through. I think of how the Lord gave you the ability and grace and strength to look on your mom with compassion and how God will give our children that same ability to mm. look on us with compassion yeah. and love and grace and forgiveness. And that encourages my heart so much today because isn't that what we need as moms sometimes? Like yes. when you're <laughs> in the thick of motherhood and responding not as well as you'd like to more times than not and thinking, I just picture Jesus being like, hey, I'm going to use your child to show you mm. my love and grace and mercy for you one yeah. day if not even now, because they are so forgiving and so sweet and so kind. And um, yeah, I'm just, even as we're talking about that, I'm still just processing that that's what the gospel does. Mm -hmm. The gospel causes us to look onto others with compassion and forgiveness, Mm -hmm. but it also causes others to look on us with compassion and forgiveness. Right. And how beautiful that that will come from our children. Yeah. It's just so neat. That's really cool. That is yeah, and we need that. And in yeah. such a different perspective, too. Um, I don't know. There's so much more to our motherhood journey that we forget about, like the little nuggets that we forget about. We can get lost in those really hard days and mm-hmm. not be able to look ahead to how Jesus is providing for us and providing for our children and giving them the strength to be sustained when we are less than perfect. Yes. A hundred percent. Thank, you, <laughs> Thank <Lord>. goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah, we were just joking to our listeners as um, we were here at the church offices and my sweet, precious little children, little pastor's kids were running around and I was like, where's your father? <laughs> I love you. It's time to go now. <laughs> Mommy has to focus. Um, well, that's just such a neat perspective and I know that will encourage our women. Um, and then that leads me to like my next question. So then... What came after that, what came after Rosie was the pursuit of adoption again, which on paper, it sounds beautiful and amazing. And Mm -hmm. it's like, even as Christians, we can be like, oh my gosh, this is God's story. And God is, you know, 
redeeming us and he adopted us into our family and how beautiful and to adopt others it's the the same way you're you know showing Christ's love and you are but me being your friend and being there since the beginning of justice like literally holding little teeny tiny baby <laughs> justice who was so beautiful um seeing that it's not it's not all a walk in the park and mm. you being one that that taught me that there's brokenness even in adoption and it is beautiful but it's also painful yeah so what so i just asked you what is one of the ways that motherhood has changed you what is something in the adoption story and process what is something that you weren't prepared for mm-hmm. that you would hope for others to maybe be able to be prepared for going forward or to even ha- to support a family who is adopting yeah what what is that thing for you well it's funny cuz as you were talking i think the two things that came to mind in especially when you said the things that you weren't prepared for or, or weren't expecting um and i think because of the you know the subliminal like you said the subliminal kind of christian tone of this is an amazing and beautiful thing um adoption is um i think the thing so one of one of the things that i've done more recently in the last few years that i wish i would have done before we adopted was i've been listening to the voices of adult adoptees more Mm. so and it really changed my perspective because i think i I think the picture and the unintentional Christian picture in my mind is a family bringing home a baby, and I forget that they grow up, and then they become adults. And so just the way you are with your biological kids, you're not raising kids, you're raising them to become adults. Yeah. Um, And I've not thought that much about what an adult adoptee experiences. And so I even heard an adult adoptee say one time um, just that her adoption story being compared to the story of salvation was so hurtful mm. because it's, you know, it's this these people who are so bad and, you know, there's not, they have no good, like Romans, you know, there's nothing good in us oh, and gosh. there's nothing that we can offer. And, yeah. and it's perfect for salvation because it's all true because right. there's, there is nothing yeah. good in us. Um, Jesus saves us, rescues us, redeems us from ourselves. And there is no hope outside of that. And she just said, it's so hurtful to be compared to, you know, the, the hopelessness of life without Christ is not who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Absolutely. so just those kind of things that have made me f- rethink a little bit of my parenting of I'm not just parenting an adoptee child. I'm imp- I'm parenting someone who's going to grow up one day, and I want even in adulthood for them to to just um, to feel seen in that process. Um, but I think yeah. something that you probably saw really early on was, of course, we're adding to our family, and that's an amazing, beautiful thing. And, you know, of course, I'm so thankful that our initial adoption attempt didn't work out because then we wouldn't have justice. Um, and so I know it was God's divine appointment for me to get pregnant, for us to have to wait longer, redo everything, because justice wasn't born yet. And yeah. so, and she was our daughter. Um, but when I came home from the hospital, because of that, I was experiencing, um, I had already experienced having a child, going mm-hmm. to the hospital pregnant, leaving, you know, with my bundle of joy and being wheeled out to my car with my yeah. husband and, 
and that whole process. Um, and it's so emotional and hormones and painful. Um, and I, when I left with justice, I didn't, I never thought about someone leaving empty handed Mm -hmm. and just how hard that had to be for her, um, for her birth mom. Yeah. Um, and I just had so much compassion and honestly, a lot of grief. I was not anticipating. I thought I'd be happy. Um, (laughs) and I was happy of course, because we're humans. And so we can have dual emotions at the same time. You can be elated with joy yes, and you can also experience intense sadness. And I felt so much grief and, um, just pain on her behalf of, as I'm sitting at my house, you know, my friends are, um, planning a sip and see and all of that, um, just what she was experiencing and just asking God to meet her in that. For sure. Well, and I think of the scripture that says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's a lot to hold in two hands rejoicing, but also weeping with her. And I think that that is a really, um, I don't know, just beautiful that you can even talk about that because that in itself points us to Jesus. We are mm-hmm. to weep with those who weep. And so it would be contrary to what Jesus mm-hmm. has called you to, to not yeah. weep with her and the sadness that she felt in that decision. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And then even just, so that brings me to like how then, how can we as the the friend or the onlooker support the family that has adopted in those times? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think just... Not to go from like weepy well, emotional to no, no, no. Well, logistics. I, yeah, no, I think it's just acknowledging the brokenness in it and and that it's messy um, and not and not to, I think... Christian placate something like, yeah. you know, I, oh my gosh, I'm sure you're experiencing all the things right now. It's not, it, it can be obviously, of course, happy and amazing. And it can also be hard. And especially, you know, with people who are in the foster to adopt process, there's so much loss that's being experienced there and so much um, previous pain that has been experienced. Otherwise, you know, kiddos wouldn't be in that position. And so, um, for them, if you're if you read that case file and you know what your kiddo has been through, of course it's a happy time because you want them to be in your family and be safe and be healthy and all those things that you're hoping to provide, which is why you're signed up for this process. Yeah. Um, you don't you can't unknow what you know. Sure. And so just having people kind of acknowledge that yeah. and not treat it, you know, like a a big happy celebration all the time that it can be. It can be happy and it can be hard and it yeah. can be amazing. Space and it can be, yeah, to the feel nuance. all the feelings. Yeah, just the, there's a lot of nuance there, um, and especially just recognizing that this is not the design. This is not how God intended it to be, and yet He can heal and restore and provide His people, and He can change people's stories and all of that. But it doesn't. If it were pre, you know, if it were Genesis one and two, this would not be the story. Yeah. So would you just encourage a family who's about to adopt to just grieve 
what needs to be grieved or lament what needs to be lamented. I think so. Yeah. And I think, yeah, just being, it's okay if it's all the thing, a mix of emotions, you know, it doesn't have to be, there's not a one size fits all adoption story. Um, and even adoption, it, it can create its own fair share of loss and disappointment and things that didn't work out for one reason or another. And so, um, yeah, I think just meeting people in that and just understanding it's not a one size fits all solution. Um, but instead letting people experience their own experience and just meeting them where they're at. For sure. Yeah, that's a big deal. As you're saying all that, I just think, oh my gosh, as mothers, like how do we cope? I'm like, there's no easy <laughs> there's no easy trajectory or path to motherhood, whether you have a baby right away, whether you adopt a baby, whether you experience years of infertility, there is absolutely nothing easy about that. Mm-hmm. How would you encourage our women, our listeners, if they're in a tough season? Like, how do we cope as moms when we're dealing with all of that? Yeah. In, in varying different degrees, different circumstances. Right. Well, and I think too is – I think something that we can do for each other as women, as moms, um, but it's just kind of remove that, um, that, that banner of you have to have it all figured out. You have to yeah. do it all by yourself. I feel like that in and of itself is a very Western, maybe even American mindset that you have to be all things to all people and keep your home a certain way and pack lunches and be present and volunteer at the school and all of the things the pressures that are placed really culturally more Mm -hmm. than what scripture would say. And I feel like I, what I love about God and him, him um, creating us as relational beings in the context of community, most of, most of the Bible is written to a group of people um, because we were meant to do it together and with each other. And a lot of the rest of the world has figured that out. Mm Not, you know, it takes a village is not a saying. It's like they actually yeah. <laughs> they actually mean it. They actually mean it. Um, and so I just think of even what our city group girls did last week. We all went to dinner <laughs> together. Yes. And um, Galatians 2 says, carry one another's burdens because you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Um, James 5 says, confess our sins to one another, pray. And the, and the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I don't know about you, yeah. but I need... I need to confess where I've fallen short as a mama, and I need other yep. people to pray for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want that powerful and effective prayer for patience because I need it <laughs> right yes. now. Um, and then Hebrews 10, when it talks about spurring one another on and not giving up meeting together, which can be hard to do when you have activities and yep. all the commitments, but to encourage one another. And so I feel like even what we did last week um, was everyone was sort of sharing some of the difficulties that they're experiencing. And then we were just showering each other with grace and encouragement. And a lot of you've got this and you don't have to do it all. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I feel like that's, that's part of, that's part of it too, is that, you know, the enemy wants us to think that we're alone yeah. in our struggles as moms or that our story is different than other people's. And so it's harder for us for whatever reason. And not that there aren't varying degrees of difficulty. If you're a single mom, you know, there's lots of different stories, but I think that God doesn't want us to do this 
mom alone. thing alone. No, it's so true. And it is, it is interesting how wherever we're at on that journey, whether we are just really in a season of waiting on the Lord because we're not pregnant or mm. we're not matched or maybe we're a woman who's decided that we don't want to have children mm, yeah. or maybe we're in the midst of children or maybe our children are grown. I think there's one thing that if you put us all around the table, we would all say that we experience loneliness mm-hmm. in that journey. Yeah. We would probably all say we have moments of isolation in that journey because like you said, going back to before, we can really do that negative thing of comparing ourselves yeah. and comparing our story to others. And I think that's just one way that the enemy pushes us more into our insecurities mm-hmm. is then he's like, yeah, you should feel pretty lonely right now because you're the only one at the table that this is this is what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that there really is something powerful and being able to admit where we're at on that journey. And even in that same city group, we've had someone confess how difficult it is for them as they're pursuing being a mom, being around other women that are pregnant. And that is a really powerful moment to be able to express, this is what I'm feeling now. Mm -hmm. And for us to be able to weep with her Mm -hmm. while also rejoicing with another. And I think we can be all of those things that we don't have to be one or the other to be lamenting or grieving a, a part of our journey doesn't mean that we're not thankful or that we can't rejoice. It, yeah. We can have both. Right. We can be both. We really can. And that is being gospel-centered. Right. Just like you welcome a baby and you're weeping, essentially, with the mother who is grieving, yet also rejoicing in God's provision. Mm-hmm. We can hold both of those things. And it, it's okay to feel a little uncomfortable. And it is really important to confess where we're at because I think I've found in my own motherhood journey, the times that I've said, man, I just really messed this up or I'm feeling really frustrated over this and I don't know why I can't get it right or whatever. I always have someone else that says, no, yeah, me too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Or there's been times that I've confessed something of a struggle and I have felt a little exposed and a little like, why did you say that out loud? <laughs> but that's an opportunity then also for me, like I feel like the times that I have done that, that God used that feeling of being exposed to cause me to press in and pray more and maybe repent where where that needed to be had. You know, that mm-hmm. it's like this when we say out loud what we're feeling, I always say when you say out loud what you're feeling, the enemy can't hold it against you, but it also reveals a lot and sometimes yeah. can take the blinders off of our eyes mm-hmm. and even cause us to see, like, oh, okay, that's a weakness of mine right now. And I need to confess that. I need to give that up. Um, Do you feel like there's, like speaking of anxieties and something coming up whenever we say it out loud, Mm. do you experience any of that in your own motherhood journey or have you experienced any of that in your own motherhood journey where you were dealing with something that you didn't know you would deal with prior to? Something new surfaced, something like we talk about how motherhood changes you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, 
Yeah. I, you know, something that comes to mind is just walking through a season of, I don't want to call it severe, but definitely a lot of anxiety around protecting my kids. Mm. Um, and not even knowing that that was there. It was, you know, kind of this dormant thing um, where I was just, but then I found myself, you know, laying in bed and strategizing and coming up with fallback plans and prevention to hit or, you know, different things that I could do so that they would be protected and safe in certain situations um, to where it started to feel a little bit like it was consuming my mind and my heart. And so I went to counseling and had a professional help me kind of parse that out and, and say, what do I do with this? And this is becoming a little all consuming and I don't know where this is stemming from. I have ideas, but I would love to have someone help kind of navigate this Mm -hmm. with me and having someone speak into that. And it was honestly really encouraging too, because the, my therapist was able to share, Hey, some of these things are good ideas. These are good things. These are good conversations to have with your kids. Um, so be encouraged. More parents should have some of these thoughts. They, okay. you know, there's some good in that. So don't don't throw out the baby at the bathwater. Is basically yeah. what she was saying. But she was like, but there's also, you know, we live in a world where here are the things that are beyond our control, and I feel like you're stuck there. Okay. Um, and so how can we kind of work out of being stuck in the places that we don't have control over? Yeah. Um mentally and emotionally so that we can be in a healthy place so that we can enjoy our kids so that we can take them activities and not be strategizing and trying to protect them the whole time. Um, and so that was really helpful, um, because I didn't want to stay there. I didn't want to stay in anxious mama mode, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's hard. That just, I think that's such a big deal to be able to full circle, admit whenever things are hard, Mm-hmm. And then be able to go, okay, this thought pattern is ruling my life and I don't want it to rule my life anymore. And how do I get behind that? Yeah. Get past that. Yeah. Yeah. And not let not let it continue to steal joy. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, something random popped in my head um, when we were talking, just because I think it would be fun. What, you've got two little girls, What what is something that you enjoy doing with them? Like as a mom. Well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, Heather. <laughs> and so we like getting our nails done. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we all really love like dress up and makeup, and um, we probably indulge in Halloween too much because of the of the costume. You guys always outdress us for Halloween <laughs> every time. I'm like, man, I need to bring my A game. My my kids are like, mom, are you dressing up? And I'm like, well, Melissa is. I am now. <laughs> I know. I'm like, they're already asking me. I'm like, well, we have to wait till at least it's August before we can start talking about what we're going to be for Halloween. Um, I think that's, I think we like doing things like that. They, right now they like dance. I'm like, you know, it's like every mom with activity. I'm like, will they always like dance? I hope they do because I really enjoyed it, (laughs) but we'll see. They like it for now. Um, But I think that that's, you know, I, Jamie and I are, he's, he loves being at our house and loves being home, and I like being out. And so it's fun when I have when I'm on mommy dates. I'm like, we're going out, we're going to stir crazy, and we're getting, you know, a muffin, um, and then we're gonna go here and My get overpriced coffee, crazy. you yes. know. And, and they like doing all that too. Like, but it's almost 
you know, Rosie's like, are we going to Starbucks? I'm like, okay, we don't do that every day. That's yeah, like a treat. Mommy dates are very expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially the nails. You're going yeah. to stir crazy Starbucks and getting your nails done. Yeah. That's like a whole month of entertainment budget. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so sweet. Do you, are they still at the sweet ages where they're going to make you your sweet little Mother's Day cards? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Oh right? my gosh. I hope my kids don't ever stop. I, I dropped a hint this week where I was like, girls, you're going to make <laughs> mommy a Mother's Day card, right? Because they get older. Oh yeah. You know, when they're in preschool, the sweet teachers prompt them to do that. Right. Right. Love the preschool teachers. I'm like, okay, dad, you're. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, do preteens still write love notes to their moms? And I'm like, if not, Mother's Jamie, Day. you have to remind them. Like, <laughs> even if it's the night before, make them say something nice to me. <laughs> yes. Hint, hint. Um, well, I know – so this topic is about motherhood. Mother's Day is just on the horizon. Um, Mother Mother's Day is a joyful day for some and a sad day for others. And we're talking about rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. How would you encourage the woman that – maybe isn't looking forward to this day very much. Yeah, I think, so what I would say is I feel like anything that we dread or anything that we experience disappointment or things didn't turn out the way that we would want them to could be an opportunity to look at God's faithfulness and the things that he has done. And so I feel, I was listening to a lecture recently by Elizabeth Elliot. um, And the premise of it was, had a lot to do with, you know, people asking her how she feels about unanswered prayers. And it's like, gosh, you know, if you know anything, if you don't know about Elizabeth Elliot, you should know she's amazing. Um, But, you know, she outlived two husbands. She was a single mom on the mission field. She just experienced so much loss and suffering. And this lecture that she was giving about was about um, not to not pit our will against God's. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said that someone had asked her, you know, have you ever been angry with God for the hard things that have happened to you? Um, you know, and she was, she just said, he's my heavenly father. Like he's been with me through those really hard things. First John 3.16 says that he loved us enough to lay down his life for us. Um, and so she was just sharing how, how she hasn't really experienced that because, because of his goodness and his faithfulness. And so I think of, at least for myself, you know, there were many, I spent many a Mother's Day not being a mom and not having a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, but what I when I look back and I think of, the opportunities I had around this time, it's it's just to acknowledge the faithfulness of God and His yeah. track record and His love for us, um, that He doesn't withhold good things from us. Um, and so what, what has He done? Who has He been to us? And so for me, through spiritual moms, through um, Leisha, who's the mom that adopted me when I was in high school, yeah. um, that family. And and I can think of all the other mentors and, and Bible study leaders along the way um, where he's just provided all the mothering that I need. He knew that I needed, yeah. and he, he gave me just what I needed for that season of life or that time. And so I wonder what it would look like for anybody experiencing dread to just process and and – 
walk through a little bit of God's track record of where has he been good in this area, even if it's not what we've wanted it to be or there's disappointment and loss and pain associated with it, just asking him to bring to our remembrance to our not, you know, to not forget all his benefits. What has yeah. he done? What are the things um, where we can point to his goodness and his faithfulness? And at the same time, in the same breath, I will say, just knowing that there's room for lament and grief. Absolutely. And God doesn't expect us to put on our big girl pants and suck it up on Mother's Day. I think that we can, we can um, press into where he's been faithful and good towards us. And then we can also know that we have a great high priest who he sympathizes with our weaknesses. He came to earth. He experienced loss, um, betrayal. Um, You know, he had even his own family. (laughs) He had to have words with them about his faith and and feeling like alone in Mm -hmm. that, um, even with his own mother. And so I think that just... um, yeah, that it's okay to be really sad and to lament what has not yet happened and also ask God to to encourage our heart and to, sure. and to give us belief where there might be unbelief. Yeah. And I would even say when you were talking about all of that, I was you know, this isn't a replacement for those who desire to to be mothers and who are not yet. This is more of encouragement that I'm about to say for women who um, just aren't in that season of life yet or Mm -hmm. are choosing not to. But just there is something to be said for women who are spiritual mothers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that could be you and I. You 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 can be a spiritual mom to someone who, if you already have your own biological children, or you could be a young woman in college who's not in that season of life yet. My children have plenty of spiritual Mm. mothers and I'm so thankful that they do. I'm so thankful that they have women in their life who love them enough to correct them, Mm -hmm. even when I'm there, you know, Mm -hmm. in love. And because man, there is nothing that makes me feel more loved as a mom when someone is able to say, hey, you know, I've, I've had other women say, hey, be nice to your mommy, you know? Mm, yeah. And that's blessed me so much that someone else was able to speak into my my little girls and their character and who they're becoming. And so, I don't know, let that be a call on all of our lives. Who can you be a spiritual mother to? Who yeah. who can you fill in the gap for? Even even that's an adult, an adult woman. It doesn't have to be a little bitty child. There's even adult women who need that nurturing and need that love and that care and that consideration that a mother has. Um, I think that's one way that we can redeem Mother's Day, whether mm-hmm. we are grieving the loss of a mom, whether we're grieving, um, you know, maybe maybe we are grieving that we don't have a baby yet. And to be a spiritual mom is not a replacement for that. doesn't right. mean that you don't desire that anymore. It just means that you can say, okay, God, how can you use me for good right now? Yeah. You know, and, and that can be by way of being a spiritual mom. And then, um, yeah, maybe you're a college gal who, mm-hmm. who has the opportunity to be a spiritual mom. I think that's just so beautiful. I love all of that. Well, I'm sure we could keep sitting here and hashing through all of the things. <laughs> I know I can say for one that I'm so thankful to have you as a friend and just you're in the game with me and we can make light of it and we send each other like TikTok <laughs> videos of mothers 
that we relate to. And we also confess the really hard. And we also encourage and spur one another on to be even better and point each other to Jesus. And I'm just so thankful and honor you and that. And even as you share just a glimpse of your story with us, I can mm-hmm. say that I am so proud of you. Oh, and you. I see God's grace and just the richness of his presence in your life. But I also see a woman who has surrendered to the Lord and trusts in him and consistently fights the good fight. And it just makes me super proud as your friend to sit, you know, to have a front row seat of what God is doing in your life. And I just can't wait to share more stories and see more of what God does through you. Um, Thank you. And before we leave, and I know that you're the best at this, and I didn't prepare you for this, but I know that you'll come up with something quickly. (laughs) Okay. What three things are giving you life right now? Oh my gosh. And don't tell me it's reading your Bible in the morning, unless it really is. Well, I will support that if that's true. (laughs) Heather, these are the things that I like would have prayed about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, okay, well, I'm like in light of Jim's sermon um, (laughs) today, I'm like, rent the runway. Is really helpful. Oh yes, it's You've giving opened me my eyes to rent the runway, and it's just because it's prevented me from buying something new for everything, which is helpful. Um, that is giving me life, um, and it feels, yeah, like I don't have to. I maybe I'm maybe the, I ha, I have to be at things or speak at things, mm-hmm. and there's that pervasive like I need something new, and so it's a way to like have something new for a second and then give it back. Yes, and be done. Um, Only that would never work for me because I'm. I would be the one that never sends it back. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's and it's I a would commitment. be invoiced once a month. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "Come to your front door." Yeah, I'm like, "Hello, we need to get this back." Um, so that is giving me life. I think that the weather changing, just drinking cold brew again. Yes. Um, I yeah, just love a good springtime air and the 90 mile an hour winds. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> All the windstorm, but as long as I have a cold brew. In my hand. On that um, windy patio, you're good. Yes. Um, okay, that was my last thing I was going to say. Is oh. I just, I'm a patio girl through yes. and through. And so if I could spend every weekend not doing laundry and just sitting on patios with people that I love, and I've been doing a little bit more of that recently before it's like 1 million degrees outside. Yeah. And so that's my favorite thing is that we have this tiny little Texas window. Of- it's fine, honey. We'll do we'll do laundry in the summer. <laughs> it's 120 right now. We're porch sitting. Yes. Yeah. So I think just being outside and you know if I'm on a patio with a friend, with a good meal or a good drink, that always helps. Yes. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I know that it's going to be an encouragement to our women, and I can't wait till I get to interview you again about something else interesting. I would love that. Okay. Bye, Mel. Mm-hmm.